Well, it's a real privilege and honor for me to be able to speak to you this morning. Um, we're going to be into James chapter 2, if you want to get your Bibles ready. Verses 14 to 26 is where we're going to be. And today, the big, the big topic is faith and deeds. And I'd like to start with discussing, or sharing, rather, uh, a quote. Uh, it's, it's a bit long, but it's this uh, pastor, preacher, Scottish preacher. Um, he lived... In, uh, from 1685 to 1752, and I'd like you to hear this morning what he says. If a man would have an evidence that the sun hath just risen within our hemisphere, though it not be within his view as yet, he will see it better by looking west than by looking east. For before he can see the body of the sun, he may see the light of it shining upon some high tower or mountain and so by looking west you will see the sun is written risen or is rising in the east so when the world would have an evidence of your being a believer they will not look to your faith but to your works <clears throat> and the rays and beams that flow from faith and to look towards your works is to look away from your faith. For as faith and works are contrary in the matter of justification, so faith renounces all works in the point of dependence, though it produces them in the point of performance. Therefore, seeing the world will not look to your heart, which they cannot see, but to your life, and will not look to your faith, which God only sees, but to your works which the world may see, oh, take care that it be a working faith. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this passage in James and for all that it has to show us. Lord, I pray that you would make these words that you've given me this morning to be the words that you want each of us to hear. And Father, might you be glorified and might you be moving us to to be more like you during this time. And I just pray that in your name. Amen. So a big idea for today could be uh, faith is not alone. Um, faith that doesn't work, doesn't work, could work too. Um, I'm going to break the passage down into three pieces. Um, if you're taking notes, verse 14, interpretation of faith. Uh, verses 15 to 20, the identification of faith, and the last group, 21 to 26, those verses is the illustration of faith. But before I actually get into that verse 14, I want to make some general comments about, about faith. Faith in our Christian life is, well, it's, it's almost everything. As believers, the, the fact that we're believers means that we have faith. And so I'd like to just talk about that for a moment. Um, yeah. Faith is alive. I hope that your faith is alive this morning. Faith is alive. Faith is genuine. Faith is active. James will be challenging us to live according to our faith and, and by our faith. You know that, that phrase, living by faith, it, it actually is from the Old Testament. Habakkuk 2.4 says, Behold, his soul is puffed up, and it is not upright within him. But the righteous 
shall live by faith. It is faith that directs your steps. In fact, it's so important that Paul tells us in Romans 3, 24, that everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. And the author of Hebrews says that without faith it is impossible to please God. You see, faith is the, the living out of the certainty that God is real. It's responding to God's character and this, this covenant of God being faithful to us with our own faithfulness. James is saying that if, that if you have faith, that you have something to live by. In fact, it doesn't make sense to not live by it. Which makes me think of, you remember back before cell phones? If you go, you go back and some of, the, some of you, that would be your lifetime, others of you, not even close. You, know, you go back before cell phones and there were these things called GPSs. And they would help you navigate. What, would, what did we have before GPS? Well, some of you are thinking, well, we pulled out the old map. But a lot, of, a lot of times it was your spouse. Your spouse giving you directions. And, you know, if I'd be really straightforward with you, that didn't always end well. Yeah, in fact, the, I, I would argue this morning that the advent of the GPS saved many marriages. Yeah, the GPS. If you use the GPS, then it's going to give you direction. James is saying to us that the evidence of faith is going to be seen and that the life that you live and that good works will come out of the person that believes. They go together, these two things. There's no separating them. You can't have one without the other. Growing up with four brothers we would often find a very useful and fun thing to do is go find bicycles. And as we, as we got older, those bicycles changed into four-wheel machines. But we often had bicycles, and we would, we would ride, and we would, we would do uh, all sorts of fun things as long as we were home and time to do the chores and to eat. We, we were good. And yet there was a time, and I don't remember how it happened, but I ended up with one pedal on my bike. And if you've ever tried to pedal a bike with one pedal, you know you're pushing down and then you're trying to grab it with the top of your foot and pull it. And if, if you've ever experienced that, it just doesn't work. The two pedals on a bike are meant to go together. They're meant to go together. This is just like faith and the resulting works go together. You could think of that, think of the bike and it's, it's never designed. And that's the way it is with our faith. It's not ever meant to be by itself. It is meant to be the evidence behind the works that it brings forth. And I'm going to read now James 2, 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown uh, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? 
Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was acting along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And the same was not, uh, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So here we are. In the interpretation of faith is verse 14. And again, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? There's no such thing as a living faith that produces no works. Let me say that again. There is no such thing as a living faith that produces no works. Living faith always produces that which is good and active. <clears throat> it is true that faith without works is dead. It's also true that works without faith is dead. Faith that does not produce works is useless. And yet works that are not born out of faith Works that are not born out of faith are spiritless. A spiritless faith by itself, by itself does not save nor do the works by itself. Imagine if you were to be looking to get into heaven and you walked up to the pearly gates and God said to you, we're imagining this, okay? So God said to you, hey, so what have you done? What are all the works that you've done that you deserve to be able to get into heaven? And God would be waiting. And if your reply was something like, oh, well, I lived near Portland. I recycled all my life. God's going to go, well, that's impressive, but uh, what else do you have for me? Well, uh, I, uh, I, I, gave to, I gave to worthy causes. Okay, well, great. Um, keep it coming. What else do you have? I, I helped three old ladies cross the street. Oh, well, and at that point, God's going to go, Oh, my righteous son, please enter into the reward of your righteous living. No. No. God is not going to say that. The question about the entrance into heaven is about saving faith. And Jesus is the simple question and the answer. It's about Jesus Christ. If God were speaking, his questions may be, do you believe that Jesus is my son? Do you believe that Jesus paid the price for your sins when he died on the cross? Did you allow Jesus into your life? Is he your Lord and Savior? Those are the questions. As a believer of Jesus, James is telling us that in addition to our faith, that there should be evidence that your life should be displaying these markings, these characteristics of that faith. He's saying that, that a faith that doesn't work, doesn't work. Professing faith is just lip service. That which is phony and, and counterfeit. I'm sure you guys are all aware that 
uh, our dollar bills that is American currency, and, uh, and it's probably true in other countries too, but they, they all have markings on them. It, it's definitely an effort to keep counterfeit from happening, and yet, do you know that it, isn't, it really isn't difficult to, to detect if something's counterfeit? You know, they have these little markers. That, have you ever seen a cashier just take and put a little mark on that, on that bill? Or they hold it up to the light? Um, I looked on Amazon, and there's actually a, a counterfeit currency checker, this little uh, light, I think it, it, you stick the bill in, and, and I don't know how it does it, but it's cheap as $21. You can get your own little, tell you if it's the real thing or not. Wow. So, the markings of true faith, if you need to say it that way, are that they produce works. There's, there's evidence of it. The dispersed church that James is writing to would, be, would have been very aware of what the law was. And since the writing of the New Testament, there have been times when some have been confused. Um, that there's confusion that's definitely existed about the Apostle Paul's words and what James is saying. Uh, you know, is it faith or is it deeds? Like, there's this, what, what's up? And, and actually, the two of them are covering the same topic, saying the same things. They're just coming at it from different angles. Uh, when Paul speaks of works, he's talking about the works of the law. Um, it's like a mirror, uh, a mirror that would reveal sin. And it's clear that the law isn't going to save. James also says that you have to have, he adds to it. He says you also have to have more than just the works of the law. He wrote, in fact, earlier in chapter 2, in verse 10, he said that for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend on one point is guilty of all. And as someone has put it, man cannot be saved by perfect obedience, for he cannot render it. He cannot be saved by imperfect obedience, because God will not accept it. The only solution to this dilemma the only solution to this dilemma is the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And both James and Paul emphasize that. Saving faith is alive. It isn't counterfeit. There's an observable difference in a believer. The markings of one's faith are works. James spoke of this in... Chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. He says, If anyone thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, his, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So what are the markings of a true believer? Well, there's three a controlled tongue, a compassionate heart, and a clean life. James then moves on to what I'm calling the identification of faith in these next verses, 15 to 20. 
Saving faith can be recognized and identified by certain characteristics or markings, as I've been calling them. There's a verification here in this passage of genuine faith. James gives us this practical illustration. He says in verse 15 and following, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of them says to them, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? This is not merely charity as if you were to pass a panhandler uh, on the street at the stoplight. This is, this is a brother or a sister. This has to do with your participation in the community of faith. This, this is a check on your one another, your, your love for one another. It's like John says in his first letter, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding abiding in him. And by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. If you were to imagine for a moment, here it is in, in November, but let's say it's Valentine's Day, and you have a special person in mind. You go get the flowers, and you go get the chocolate, and you plan for the special meal, and you really, you really put your heart into this. That demonstration of love, the display of it, is going to show that the love is authentic. Would it ever be possible to, maybe things aren't going so well, and it's Valentine's Day, and you kind of go, yeah, here's the money for the flowers, and you take the flowers, and you go, here are the flowers, sort of check it off the list. Is it possible to ever this, uh, do something just kind of for show and not out of love? What do you call it when you do things just for the outer show? That's called religion, and God wants no part of it at all. Pious cliches and Christian verbiage are not the evidence of saving faith. There must be a vocation with the vocabulary. You can be very pious and say that I will pray or do this or that. My my caution to myself about saying that is that you will think that I'm trying to diminish prayer. And prayer is so ultimately important in our Christian life. But my point is, let's put feet to our faith. You shouldn't say you are a child of God and live lawlessly. The way that you live your life is telling others that you have faith and your faith is genuine. If you're living a life of joy and love, then that that cup or that glass that is your life full of joy and love should be spilling out 
onto everybody that you bump into. Spilling out, joy and love. Moving on to 17 and 18. It says, so also by faith itself, it does not, um, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You know, here, knowing that James is speaking uh, to believers is, is helpful uh, to understand what's happening. Um, to understand that faith, a saving faith, um, or that, that true faith, again, uh, produces works. And on this topic, uh, the Apostle Paul would, when he's talking about faith, he's really taking the perspective of uh, faith and the root of faith, like, like the beginnings of faith and, and that, that saving faith that is, is necessary to have the relationship with our Lord. James is talking about the fruit of faith. Although Paul also says that faith will produce fruit, and he, and he says that in Galatians 5, and 23, when he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, <clears throat> faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, against such things there is no law. James agrees that faith saves, but saving faith produces something. This last winter, with... Uh, with an eye in mind for what I wanted to be eating uh, down the road later, uh, I went and found some raspberry starts at a nursery. It's a bare root, it's a stick with some little things hanging from it, and you hope those are roots. I planted them in the winter, waited, 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 they finally, finally started growing. And all spring and summer and into the fall, we got Bushes that are going to give us raspberries, yummy raspberries this next summer. I'm really looking forward to having those again. Why do I mention such a thing? It's because faith is a root, and the root produces the kind of fruit the root itself is. If you have a living faith, there's going to be fruit in your life. What kind of fruit do you have? Verse 19 says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Lip service. Lip service is not the evidence of faith. The demons are orthodox. I wonder what he's going to say next. You guys are thinking, no, what, what is it? Well, they are. They're orthodox. The central test for good theology is monotheism and the unity of God. They get it, and it makes them shudder. They do not respond to God's faithfulness, to anything Jesus did, but they understand. They have some sense of who they're dealing with. In verse 20, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? You know, faith without fruit is empty and futile. Well, let me do a little show and tell. Um, this, this piece is the illustration of faith, verses 21 to 26. I'm going to go through 24 right now. In verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac 
on the altar, you see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see, <clears throat> you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So the question here is, was, was Abraham justified when he offered his son Isaac? Did he actually offer Isaac? And the answer is no. Then what was, what was Abraham's work of faith? How did, how did works save him? His, his faith caused him to lift that knife up to do a thing which he never ever thought that he would been asked to do. But since God had asked him, he was going to do it. I believe that Abraham knew that if he would have had to take the life of Isaac, that God would have raised him from the dead. He would have, he would have if God hadn't intervened with the angel. And I think this illustration is a really neat illustration that helps us demonstrate faith through our actions. And that's what Abraham did. An interesting note with this story in Genesis uh, 22 that really begins with Abraham. Uh, we see Abraham having faith in, in Genesis 15 and then the story of Abraham offering up Isaac in Genesis 22. Yeah, interesting part of that is, is that it was three days from the time that Abraham was told to offer up Isaac to when he actually was offering Isaac up. Three days. And the thing that prevented um, Isaac from following through with it, of course, was the angel that God had sent saying, stop. And it was at that point that there was this lamb in the thicket. And we have, as we know that we have Jesus is our lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God. And another interesting point here is, is that when Abraham went to offer Isaac, he went to Moriah. And Moriah is the same place that Jesus would later be born. We know that as Golgotha. And it's also uh, Mount Moriah is where um, Solomon built his temple. So it's, it's all in the same area, these very, very significant things of Scripture. And I want to I add that James, when he's talking about Abraham and then here in a moment Rahab, that authors and writers often use this, this style or this writing technique that they're going to compare some, some greatly opposite, if you will, these diametrically opposed kind of ideas. We have a patriarch and we have a prostitute. And yet, James is seeing the working out of their faith in both of them. In verse 25 we read, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. So how was Rahab justified by her works? Joshua 2 tells us that she received the Israelite spies, concealed them from her own people, and then she told the spies how they could escape without being detected. The woman living there in the city of Jericho, she had jeopardized her life by turning the back on her, her back on her own people. 
And what was gained to her became loss. She did not say to the Israelite spies, I'll stand on the sidelines when you guys enter the city singing that you've done what the Lord had given you to do and you've, you've taken over our city. No, what she said was, I'm going to do something. I will hide you because I believe God is going to give the people of Israel this land. And I've been hearing about you for the last 40 years. And I believe God. Rahab knew what was going to take place, and she acted. She demonstrated faith by getting involved. She was justified before God by her faith. The author of Hebrews in chapter 11, in that great Hall of Fame chapter, Hall of Faith chapter, we often call it, says in verse 31, By faith Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Have you ever thought of faith as a muscle? Like the more that you exercise it, the stronger it becomes. James continues in verse 26. He says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Do you believe that a GPS guides or can guide? If you had one, would you use it? I know we're all using our phones anymore. Do you believe that faith in God can guide? A faithful response to God's character and his covenant faithfulness changes your affections and your will so that it, it changes your actions and your works. Like the Spirit animates the body, faith animates action. I want to conclude with, with this. We understand that saving faith is faith that is living and active. That we aren't to live life for show. For that would simply be religious. And that faith and works are connected. And true faith leads to works. The grave danger is that some of you have counterfeit faith like the readers James had in mind. You can go on for sure, like you are, but your soul is in great danger. Your religion is like that of the demons. What I would encourage you to do right now is to take a moment. You can close your eyes if you choose to. But I'd like to ask you some important questions and encourage you to do some business with the Lord. And here are, the, here are my questions. Are there any actions in my life that I can't explain apart from God's work in me? Or has faith produced works? Am I pursuing ministry opportunities in other people's lives like the lives of widows, orphans, or the poor? 
Has, has faith produced love in me? Or am I waiting for someone to be nice to me? Before I speak, am I bridling my tongue? Or do I just regret it afterwards? Has faith brought that work in my life? Am I acting in a way that includes people that I don't know very well instead of playing favorites? Am I caring for anyone not like me? Is faith moving me to action? Are you playing church? And only going through the motions? If the answer is yes, then have an open and willing heart and attitude to change. Ask God and his Holy Spirit to impact you in a new and fresh way so that you can make changes to behave differently. I hope that you will look in the mirror and have that conversation. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how your, your word is living and active. And Lord, I, I thank you for the book of James and for how it helps move us from possibly a stagnant place. And I am asking this morning, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be encouraging and that we would not feel defeated, but we would simply with encouragement and joy and love in our heart be moving forward in our walk with you. And I pray that in your name. Amen.